Fun fact about us. In high school, while the cool kids were smoking cigarettes and having unprotected sex in the car park, we were having rap battles in the drama room. Despite white girls in suburban Canberra who definitely hadn't experienced gang violence. <laughs> oh, it's true. So Hello and welcome to Good Sheilers, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a Melbourne comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we are longtime friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we will tackle something in the media as well as something in life that has kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilers. Good day, mates. Episode three. Episode three. We made it. Yes. Halfway to six, and that's halfway to 111 times 666. Oh it's the devil's number. He's 100% not right. Hail Satan. <laughs> you are an idiot. <laughs> not really. Um, what are we talking about today, We Claire? are talking about how... The nesting thing might be a myth and how it intersects with the expectations of women in the household. What else are we talking about, Bron? We're also talking about how uh, social media has made us reflect on our own relationships mm. and feel pretty garbage about them. So, shit, I want to move out of this home. <laughs> I am ready to move back into share housing. Oh, God. Yeah. It's gotten grim. My current housemates are the worst. <laughs> so mine are awful. I know. Two of mine don't pay rent. Oh, my God. Yeah, two of mine don't either, and one of them shits their pants. One of mine can't read. <laughs> the other one's not that good at it. Three of mine can't read. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shout out to Wally. Yeah, go on, Wally. So kicking us off this week, a UK evidence review looked at whether or not there was anything, anything empirical about the nesting instinct. So you know the nesting instinct, right? I do. Yeah, so apparently before you're ready to have a baby, your body tells you to clean. Did you do it? Oh, look, at that stage, because Olive was a very unexpected surprise, uh, we were living in a one-bedroom apartment, which was the smallest one-bedroom apartment I've ever seen. And it was very easy to clean. But did I do it? Nah. At all? Well, not really. It was real. I'm like I'm not a super messy person, and I was much more interested in eating biscuits. Mm, that's so delicious. So the house didn't look like shit, but I also wasn't like breaking my back to do anything about it. Mm, I I I don't remember nesting. I remember like looking forward to nesting because everything was so dirty and I was, yeah. like, it was so large and I'd just given no, up. No, you had a huge house then. And a huge body. And you were a whale. <laughs> everything a was lazy, huge. fat whale. I was and I brought life into the world, into a filthy, filthy world. But I did not, I did not clean, but I wanted it. I felt like there was something wrong with me because I didn't get this impulse. But this you. UK review has found there is zero evidence for the nesting instinct. Yeah, that's None. really interesting. So the researchers looked at all the evidence and said, no, there's nothing here. And they looked at the driver of the instinct and they made a finding that actually it is a social myth that reinforces gender inequalities in the household to drive women to the idea that part of their role as a mother is cleaning. 
Yeah, I see. Even I've got a few mates who are pregnant at the moment, a few mates who are about to give birth this month. Shout out to Kate, uh, Riley, also Moyen, mm. three ladies I know who are enormous. And the about moment. to have their lives ruined. Yeah. Congratulations. Welcome to misery. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> but these, uh, but every, like at least one of my friends, I've, I've heard uh, people say to her at her baby shower, has the nesting kicked mm. in? And she responded, yeah, it has. And then, 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 but I was like, what a strange and boring question to ask. She's essentially, asked, this woman essentially asked her, have you cleaned up? Yeah. Who cares? Like, how do you care, Karen? You're growing a human. You are growing the next generation of humans. You are responsible. The longevity of this entire species is your bathroom clean. Yeah. Is your husband happy well with slept? you? Yeah. <laughs> Totally. It's just so when I was looking at this, we were looking at why women had this little moment in history in World War II in Western countries when they were in the factories, they were making their way. We had Rosie the Riveter emerge, we had a real change and the start of the modern move, movement for women's liberation. And then we all went back to being housewives in the 50s. Yeah, so during the Second World War. Um, that's where it was roughly 150,000, this is in America alone, 150,000 men per month were sent off to war. Whoa. This meant that all of these factories were left mm. with no workers. And in Australia, per capita, we had the most fatalities for young men mm. so of all of, the, all of the nations that participated. And this was in the era where men were supposed to be the people with skills. Yeah. And so when these skills were taken away because they literally died, these plate, these things needed to keep happening. People yeah. still needed plumbers. People still needed electricians. Still, people needed factory workers, and women were for, uh, encouraged mm. to step up. It was a way to make money. It was a way to keep their family afloat because their husbands probably died, and so they stepped up and they went into the workforce. And so, whilst their husbands were either at war or uh, or they had died. This was how these countries kept going. They kept afloat, and it was a, it was called the pink economy. Um, historians call it the pink economy. But the challenge was when the war ended, and all of the capitalist white nations were looking for a way of getting back to what was normal. Women had found a form of empowerment. Mm. They'd found a way to connect with each other, a way to find worth, and they'd seen themselves. For many of them, for most of them, the very first time having a value beyond their marriage, beyond keeping their house clean, beyond having children, they saw themselves as active and you know, really important participants in the workforce. But that's not nice to a bunch of powerful men that's who right. like their women at home looking attractive and making their meals. Exactly, because before then they were told that that was not impossible. It was actually impossible to learn this yeah, trade. Yeah, because we're just not- dumb bitches. <laughs> yeah, and your brain will not figure that out, Thelma. Go <laughs> no, Thelma. Why are you here, Thelma? Take off those overalls, <laughs> you fucking idiot. It is. And so, and then when they saw that it was actually f- so possible, so possible to the point that it was actually boring, mm. they were like, oh, my God. Maybe we don't need men so much. Um, but the, the the really interesting thing is that there was a concerted effort by modern governments to get women out of the workforce. Mm. And well, it became a propaganda, right? Yeah. It became a movement to encourage women that actually 
your family works better when you're at home. You, we need you. We need you to make the cakes and we need you to deliver food to the dad who comes home. Have you watched that really fascinating show on ABC, um, Turn Back Time with no, Annabelle Crouch? I heard it's very good. So they go to Modern Family, and this is wonderful. If you've not seen it, jump on Ivy and have a watch, to go through each decade and basically emulate what families at that time did. And this particular family was a Sydney family with three children and the mum was a really successful businesswoman and um, she had to live like a 50s housewife did and they had, you know, they'd eat dinner in silence and the dad would go off and smoke a cigarette and read the paper in a different room and she'd have to clean the kitchen and she was all done up in a beautiful dress and pearls and her hair was all done and, and like with these enormous rubber gloves up to her elbows in this kitchen and one episode she just cried and cried and cried and she said I am so lonely and I feel so worthless yeah but she had the context of knowing what her normal life was but can you imagine I guess coming out of World War II having to go you know and take this other role in the community and then being like no you have to go back yeah so what they created essentially was an army of disenfranchised women yeah this army of women who were said, no, no, we don't need you doing that anymore. Mm. Go back to the workforce when they knew a possibility was out there, but it wasn't. They w- it wasn't actually available. No, at it wasn't that available time. to them. So the disenfranch- we know, we know historically, and it will be forever that disenfranchised people are dangerous. They are. It's not good for them. It's not good for the community. And so when when these disenfranchised women were forced back into the kitchen. Enormous lengths were taken for them to feel like that was where they were supposed to be. And also to separate women from other women because part of being a housewife is isolation. You might take the children to school but then you do the shopping and you come home Mm. and you stay home. And social events are very much couples interacting with other couples. And so women, when they're brought together, could share stories and they could form communities and they could become bonded. And that is a really, really powerful thing. But you have to break up those communities after you build them, right? When you go to parties with Wally, do you mm. stand together as a united front? Uh, it depends <laughs> sometimes. Like if it's a kid's birthday party and we don't really know anyone and they are excruciating and often often they're dry. So you get there and you're like, not only do I have to hang out with strangers and strange children, I can't even have a, have a wine to, yeah. to bleach away at how awful this is. So that's why I'm glad that your kid is an extrovert and gets invited to everything and my kids are in like extreme introverts and don't get invited to anything. I'm doing my best to just ruin her social standing. I go up to the other preppies and I'm like, hey, see that kid? Yeah, she picks her nose and she eats. Her. She's got crabs. Yeah. <laughs> she is ranked, mate. <laughs> Don't touch her. She's feel got like, coronavirus. Yeah, I feel like you deserve better. <laughs> She's putrid. She's disgusting. Don't touch Stevie. No, Stevie, you're great. And I promise I'll only crush you so I don't have to go to those parties anymore. Yeah. But the the, the interesting thing about all of this is looking at where we are now, right? Mm. And so we've had kind of first and second wave women's liberation. We're participating in the workforce. But there are all these things that continue to drive us back to our home. And I know in that, in my household, even though my beautiful, beautiful partner does so much to try to, you know, contribute as much as I do, he just, he doesn't see the same things that I do. He doesn't see the dirt. Mm. He doesn't see the mess. And if I need something done, I have to tell him. Mm. How about you? Oh, uh, look, 
Lucas had uh, there was a patch there where he was at at work and uni where he mm. actually, where he couldn't stretch any further than he was, and I became it was I was really resentful because I was doing everything, mm. and that was really damaging on our relationship. It was the, like a, like a massive ocean of so distance. So when you say everything, us. like what do you mean? Like oh, I mean all washing, all shopping, all cooking, all cleaning. Um, all kids stuff, yeah. all parenting, mm. and then what was tricky for us is that when he would come in, if he had like a like you know a second of family time, he would try and parent, and it would be exactly what I wasn't doing, mm. and so that was another element of difficulty within our relationship. But since he's finished uni and he's present and at home, it uh, it is enormously different Mm. we can see each other we know what we're doing we can see our kids in the same light as each other and we it's actually working he cooks sometimes but he also does a lot of stuff to help like I Mm. don't have to ask him to unpack the dishwasher Mm. and I know that sounds like a strange thing to say but a lot of people do have to ask their partners to unpack the yeah we I mean reflecting on this conversation we had Definitely lucky. And, I mean, even though we're – and that's a weird thing, right? Do you think that you do more or less housework than Lucas? Oh, definitely more. And I definitely do more housework than Lily, despite the fact that we both work a lot. Oh, no, I don't work very much. I'm very lazy. No, you well, – I, I maintain that childcare is work, but, you know, you – you look at us and we're like we're so lucky because they do some bits. They don't do mm. they don't do half. You know, you know they do not do half. They do they do some bits, and we should feel grateful. And that's that's problematic in itself. But women in Australia do twice as much unpaid work as home than men do. So that's all the invisible important stuff that women do in our houses and to keep our families and our communities running mm. right. So it's dropping the kids off at school with their lunches and making sure that everyone has clean undies because you know that you know, a couple of members of your family are running low and buying presents for birthday parties. Oh, I hate that one the most. Oh. I hate it so much. And our, um, our dear friend uh, always has like a pile of um, presents ready to go for those days. But every single time there's a kid's birthday party and we're not invited to many, like I said, my kids are losers. <laughs> when when we are invited to something, I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't, pre- I haven't prepared for this. I'm not well-versed in, in kids' birthday parties. we well, got to go. And I'll end up going and overcompensating and spending like $40 on a kid that I've never seen before and I will never see again. Just put a bow on a roll of toilet paper, mate. <laughs> oh, we don't have any of that. God, you're so flashy. Sick of you. Show off. Um, so uh, what, what this means for the economy is actually really important. The Workplace Gender Equality Agency do lots of data on this. So if you look at the total of worked hours for men and women per week and the amount of unpaid labour that we do, men work about 55 and a half hours a week. They get paid for 63.9% of them, right? So that's a fair bit of unpaid labour. Women average work which is 56.6 hours a week but we get paid for 35.6% of them so most of our work is unpaid we work loads mm. and we do it for free we work as much well, sorry we work more than men if you look at it the same way in one mm. basket paid and unpaid labor but we do most of it for free and they do mo- they get most they get paid for most of this yeah. so the fact that we're the lucky ones even though we both do more of the load is so problematic yeah, I, this year I'm taking a year off, um, like, I guess, kind of permanent work. I'm mm. um, just doing kind of tutoring and things like this because I'm uh, so clever. But the <laughs> but the um, 
But yeah, like the days I thought before I went into this, before I finished my job last year, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have at least three days where I just write. Mm. You know, I'm going to write. I'm going to write something. Oh, yeah, Maybe a sci-fi fantasy novel. <laughs> no, erotica. <laughs> it was, um, no, I want to write. Like I would have all these ideas in my head and the ideas that like I remember when my babies were tiny and I was holding them and because I was terrified they'd cry if I put them down. I remember my brain would just work in overdrive. Oh, yeah, I remember when them. you're like, what would it be like if we lived on Neptune? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> No, it was like, I would just be like, I've got this idea and as soon as I can put this baby down, I'm going to be able to do it, yeah? And then the babies, I could put them down and then I was like, great, as soon as you're not a toddler and then you're at school, I'm going to be able to do it. And then I was like, great, as soon as you're at school and then I can take a year off work, I'm going to be able to do it. And now I'm in that zone. Mm. Like Edie's at, Mon- at like daycare three days a week, Olive's at school five days a week. I have a, what I thought would be three days free from work to actually write. Has and I do like that not. Way? No yeah. way. It hasn't. Like I like yesterday I wrote for a bit and it's no one's fault. It's not like uh, like Lucas is calling me and it's saying It's Edith's fault. She is the worst. <laughs> no, it's not like anyone's calling me and saying you need to do this, you need to do that, but it's just that mental load of being like, okay, great. Now I do have time to clean out the mm. fridge or now I do have time to clean that shit off the couch or now I do have time to finally ask Claire to stop being my friend. This <laughs> So many things I need to do because my brain has not worked out how to prioritize myself yet. Yeah, that's so interesting. So if you sat in a room like this one, this is not the a good studio, example. This your bedroom. This, yes, my bedroom. Your, I mean, could, could you could you switch off? Can you switch off the parts of your brain that say the dirt? Oh, no, I'm not looking at you. No, I mean, I mean, I'm just my filthy bedroom. Oh. As an example, like if you're at your own home. Oh, no, I cannot. Yeah, so you can't actually focus on you. No. Without getting that done first. No, I thought that I would like at my house, I'd be like, set up at the kitchen bench and have a cup of tea. I'd just be like, wow, my house is glorious. Look at all my uh, inner north indoor plants. I'm fucking <laughs> nailing it. And then, But all my brain does is go... If I clean the girl's sheets now, then I don't have to clean them tomorrow. And then I start cleaning the girl's sheets and then I go, oh, my God, their their wardrobe needs to be cleaned. And it sounds like my house is spotless, but it never is. Mm. Like it never, like it looks good, but it's never like people aren't going to, people aren't taking photos of it, but just never ends. And this is part of it is, is because I've trained my brain. To see what's wrong. To see what's wrong and to also see that my life is the most successful if my house is clean. And that your children and your partner are not participants in that, that it's your role. Yeah. Yeah. Especially having this time off, off work, which is crazy. Which you're still getting paid for, I might add. You're on long service leave. Yeah. Because you've served the community for a really long time. We're like, hey, your job is really fucking hard and it can be a bit shit. So this is your, this is what we do to thank you to say, hey, that was really hard and that was really shit. So have some time. Yeah. But even if I wasn't, even if I did, if I was just one of those people who said, I'm going to take a year off and I'm going to do something for myself because I haven't for a really, really long time. That is okay, but my even but I'm not conditioned to see that as okay. No. So my, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm even thinking this morning, when is it? When is it going to be when my brain's going to say, okay, now's the day? Because yeah. it's not has not been we're almost at the end of term one, and I have not spent one of those days just actually sitting down and writing. Not a single one. Not right? a single one. Really, it's always frantic. 
It's yeah. always like this frantic, oh my gosh, I need to get this set done before this. And then it's ne- it's, it has not been relaxing. It's not been enjoyable. It's not been as slow as I wanted it to be. And that's because I know I need to shift the way my brain works. Mm, but and it's I, unpacking a whole lifetime of socialization, right? But it's not even my lifetime of it. It is it is the lifetimes before me. Yeah. It is the people that I, like we see these post-war women who have been disenfranchised because they have just been they've been told oh no actually no that's not your role anymore and mm. this is your role and it doesn't fit them mm. so they're trying to find out where they belong now mm. and so I'm trying now to figure out how I belong as a person who doesn't work three days a week and is kind of at home in her own filth <laughs> but that's like a really interesting conversation about value as well I mean like how, how do we see ourselves and how do we value ourselves? And I know I feel this constant, constant, I'm constantly rushing. I constantly feel pressure. Yeah. I get home. My house is fine. It's just messy. And I feel like shit because it's a mess. Why do I feel that? Why doesn't Molly feel that? It's good that he doesn't. I, w- I just wish that I didn't have to feel it too. Mm. And while we're talking about the blokes as well, I think it's important to acknowledge that actually it's not good for you guys either. I mean, like most women work part-time roles, only 4 to 5% of men get to work part-time yeah and nearly one in five Australian men say that they really they they say they rarely or never feel that they have the right balance between work and family and devastatingly one in three Australian kids say that their working dad works too much so I mean you might be earning more money but you're not necessarily happier and there is a definite impact on part-time workers who are male they are penalized for it and men, other, the, other, the other really important point I want to make is that men in male-dominated dominated sectors, even though they're better paid, they have cultural problems that negatively impact them, including a lack of workplace flexibility. And there's also a lot of conversation in the last few years about how that leads to disproportionately higher rates of male-dominated suicide in male-dominated mm-hmm. sectors because cultures, workplace cultures of lots of men, they tend to be really hyper-masculine and stoic and tough, meaning that the identity attached to this full-time, you know, breadwinning role where the woman is at home cleaning the home and the men, the man is at work participating in the workforce and earning, being the breadwinner for their family, they are less likely to engage with their mental health, to yeah. identify when they're not doing okay. They're less likely to seek help when they're feeling bad and the result is way higher suicide rates. So it's bad for individuals men and women it's definitely bad for relationships because there's a fuck of a lot of resentment that flows from these things i know it's like the bulk of my arguments with my partner is about housework and it's bad for the community Mm. oh definitely i also if you are not like if you're a bloke and you're not particularly passionate about your job Mm. and you would definitely prefer to be the one who's at home half the time yeah um or most of the time then that obviously toxic masculinity is going to weigh in there and then you're going to see yourself or the world will see you as a bit of a failure. Yeah. I mean, my partner has been navigating that for a few years because we've all, we've always seen my career opportunities as being kind of broader than his and he he's honestly a way more patient parent. Mm. He has he has time to sit down with the kids. I mean, he also has heaps of time to ignore the housework, but... He's very good at Zelda as he's well. He's very good at legendary Zelda and Pikachu <laughs> oh, and everything he does. We love, <laughs> we love Wally. And he's a beautiful, beautiful man-child. But, mm. um, like, he, he... I think he's, a, he's just more patient with them. He crawls around the floor and he plays stupid games. Like, he would be way better. And he's more relaxed... Even this morning, I have my day off. I work point nine. 
this morning when the children woke up at quarter to six, I was still like running around like a headless chalk trying to get Stevie to school. And I yelled at her. I was so frustrated. I yelled at her. I was like, Stevie, you have to get dressed. And I felt so awful after. And we jumped on the bike and rushed to school. We got to school at 8.40. <laughs> no one was there. No, you were early. I was so stressed because I'm like, we've got to get to school. We've got to yeah. get everything done. And I can't switch that bit off. And what's the impact on my kids? It's not great. To yell at your kids once is fine. Come on. It's uh, fun. It's fun. Come on. Scare them. Pieces of shit. Yeah. You just keep them on their toes. <laughs> An unhinged mum is the best kind of mum. It's a gift to the community. Exactly. Let them think they don't know what's going to come next. So this is just unpacking, I, I suppose, one more bit of the way that we think about themselves, ourselves and the way that we think about our body. Like, it's just a total myth, guys. Yeah, it's true. But also, I, like, just lastly, when you say that Wally takes time off and he doesn't, when he, if he didn't want to take time off, he wouldn't notice things around him. When Olive was little, Lucas had three months paternity leave if I went back to work. So when Olive was about nine months old, I went back to work full time. He took three months <laughs> off and he was useless. Really? Yeah, we joke about it all the time and we joke about it. We like laugh, I laugh, cry about it, and he um, walks away. Politely giggles. Yeah, and it's <laughs> about the way to he get just, a cigarette and he, a glass of milk. Yeah, <laughs> no, he saw it as super temporary. He understood that there was a three month cap. So he. Would um, he'd play with her in the day, and she's nine months old. She was useless, but he would play with her a bit. But at, at five o'clock, at four thirty, whatever, when I got home, and I would rush home. I couldn't wait to see her. I'd get home, and he would go and see his mates, and it would often be at the pub or whatever because he had worked like however his many whole years. Life. Yeah, however many years until he got to that point, and he was, he saw this as a break. Yeah. He saw it not as what I would see it as. He saw this as a break, and he played with it and then he was like amazing I'm going out and he would go out and he would sometimes come home at like five in the morning that only happened a couple of times but let's <laughs> never forget it and he would come home super super late and then the next day I would get up and I would be like all right you've got to I would make sure she had all of these things and I'd go to work and all day think about her and couldn't wait to get home and he would play with her and then I'd get home and then he would go see his mate and so he saw this as a period in his life where he could switch off mm. whereas I see this as completely opposite to that and I can't switch off but I can't can't channel it in the way that I need to right now into your talent yeah does that make sense which is hula hooping and also <laughs> punching their friends in the face <laughs> I can't wait to practice <laughs> dickhead. all right so the next thing that we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how social media has kind of ruined what we see a home to look like. Oh, good. So let's talk about hashtags. We look at Instagram influencers a lot. Look, I, I love them and they make me feel so bad about myself. They're beautiful beige clothes and they're beautiful linen. children. Linen. Who can beige wear linen? linen. Not me. <laughs> no. Actually, when I arrived here today, Claire was lying on the couch and she has a boob tube dress on. So I thought that she was in the nude with a towel over her. And I was like, okay, we've hit rock bottom. <laughs> so neither of us looked that good. But also, 
We're not trying to be super. We're not trying to be influencers. No, this is not. But we both follow them. We do, and we can't. Like I just, I, I look at their beautiful families. Look, and there is an element of privilege here. They're, they're usually quite wealthy families living in quite lovely places, right? They're, yeah. And they usually are, you know, wealthy enough for one parent to just permanently stay at home. But the way they talk about their relationships, oh my god! Like hashtag blessed, hashtag love him, hashtag forever, hashtag relationship <laughs> hashtag hubby oh that's the worst hubby. hashtag love of my life you know what i am married i never call Wally my husband or my hubby i always just say my partner because i just i just that word just i call girl. him your greatest mistake <laughs> shout out to warwick <laughs> <laughs> no not really just joking but i do i i yeah we don't i'm not married you are married but we never refer to that neither no. of us are that invested in that kind of institution of torture but we do <laughs> yeah a lot of people are married and that's fine but uh, the people who we follow on instagram mm. they're not necessarily they don't necessarily have to be married they're just like madly in love they are so in love so and not even marriage comes into this it's it's the people who are just so just so in like seemingly invested in their relationship they adore each other and they have these beautiful pictures of them like in a beach like all wrapped up despite the fact they have a million children i'm like how do you keep having sex how do you touch each other no. i don't want to do that you've seen their skid marks in the toilet you have surely. like oh my god squeeze like the ingrown hairs on the backs of their thighs like how how you've and seen then, like, their boogies <laughs> when they sleep <laughs> you know what their snore sounds like yeah you know that it takes them an hour to do a poo oh golly or you know he knows that like what her face looks like when a head's hanging out of her vagina. Oh. Like there's so many unglamorous things about relationships in real life. Tell me about an unglamorous part of your relationship. Oh golly. Um the other day <laughs> the other day I was in the bathroom and because I never close the door when I go to the toilet because when you have children there is no such thing as doors. Um, just, just a tip, take them all off. <laughs> um, but I was in the bathroom and Lucas stormed into the bathroom and he started talking to me about something sexy like money. And he, this <laughs> <laughs> was so hot. And he said, um, are you doing a poo? And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm in here. And he was like, that's disgusting. And then he stormed out like I was doing it in his mouth. I was like, what? Did you expect? Like I was sitting bathroom, <laughs> and then he was, and he was actually offended that I was doing that. And but like, does he, he mean that women don't do poo? No, no, he knows. But he expected me to register that he was almost about to walk into that part of the house and then scream out, "I'm doing a poo!" But I was refused to because I was like, "If you want to walk in here, buddy." You gotta be prepared. It's your funeral. <laughs> there is definitely a poo in here as well. What does he do if you walk into the room if he's pooping? Oh, he would never ever let that happen. Oh. We come from very different families. Yeah. I come from a very gross one. He comes from a very private one where they don't think that people poo. Oh, so it's like a private, yeah. sacred space. Well, his poo's a sacred. The running joke is if he goes to a poo, I say, I see you tomorrow. And he says, 
want a divorce. <laughs> and it's a running joke. It's a running joke. My marriage is a running joke. So that, but that would never like. I'm sure though things like that happen on these influencers' oh, they definitely lives, do. but that would never make the cut. And when I have an experience like that, I'm like, oh god. I've chosen the wrong bloke. Yeah. So what, can you tell me an unglamorous thing that's happened in oh your life? Oh, my God, my entire life. Good. Good for a start. <laughs> so, oh, my God, just, 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 I've got, I've got really, like, poopy kids. Like, they leak and they, they just, they just everywhere. Well, one's got celiac disease. I know, stupid bitch. <laughs> And she and there were Wally and Wally and I were lying in bed and we heard one of them start to cry and popped I can't remember there's too many kids and popped up and like and changed them and and changed them and, and got them back into bed nothing like it's explosive and there's poo everywhere it's very lovely and we got back into bed and chatted for a while and he's like he's like ooh no. <laughs> It's just, it's funny because we know Willie. Like, put on his sexy voice, and he, he looks at me and he's like, you know, the sexiest thing. He's like, he always says this. He goes, Do you want to have sex? That is very sexy. It's such a turn on. I was like, Oh, for fuck's sake. And then I, I didn't say that. I just thought that in my mental brain. And then he, and I was like, Oh, and I quickly calculated how long it had been. And I was like, Oh, it's in a few weeks. The bloody better. You know, this relationship's on 10 talks anyway. <laughs> And then we started, you know, like being touchy. And then it, I, like he touched me and was shit oh on my, my leg. And was shit on my leg. Oh my god! <laughs> that is reality. That is that's that's the truth. And this is what happens <laughs> when you've been together for eight years. Like sometimes it's just revolting mm-hmm. and it's unglamorous. And we laughed and laughed and laughed. Which is <laughs> lovely, right? The laughter is the key. But yeah. like that is not gonna go on Instagram. No, I no. It, but we do. So some of the examples of the things that I've seen on Instagram that make me, it, it is they will be sitting there and they'll be staring at each other and they'll say, "You are the most important." Like the, the caption, "You're the most important thing in my whole life." I've never seen anyone look um, more beautiful than you. Like regardless of who's saying, like but it could be the bloke, it could be the woman. Who knows? Irregardless, it is. <laughs> It is, um, but it's like, oh, you are the most perfect thing I've ever seen. The second I met you, I knew I was going to be with you forever. I, um, every morning is a, every morning is the best morning of my life. I'm like, what is that about? This morning, uh, when Lucas woke up, I was in my brain. I was like, if you wake me up, I will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's just, it's. I, I don't know, do some people genuinely think like this about their partners? They, they can't. But I don't know any that do. And yeah. I know many people. I've got lots of friends. I'm very popular. <laughs> but, like, I know, like, you know, my sister's been with her partner for 50 billion years, roughly, and they've got four kids and they love each other heaps. But there is none of that, like, touchy-feely, kissy-huggy, pinch on the bottom, like, lick on the eyebrow, whatever these people <laughs> do. I... But I, I, me looking at their relationship, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to me. This mm. works. If they did, if my sister posted something about her husband that was like really gushy, 
I would feel like she was doing it because she was in trouble. <laughs> oh, God. It's a cry for help. Yeah, like, I am in trouble Call here. Call the police. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so it doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me. I wasn't brought up in a, like, in a household with parents that were super lovey-dovey. Mm. I was actually not brought up in a household with parents. <laughs> so that would have been weird. But it was <laughs> – but it is um, – it, it, it doesn't make sense to me and I also feel really confused when I see it. Mm, I just, I, I feel, I don't know, part of me just wants to believe that it's true somewhere. And it's weird because, you know, like I said, Willie and I have been together for eight years. I love him deeply. But there's this weird bit of me that pines to those early days, you know, in any relationship. That when you're like, it's exciting and it's thrilling we spend ages getting ready and you have sex occasionally and like it's just like that feeling I look at those relationships on Instagram and I'm like did you guys manage to maintain that and why don't I have that because I actually want that they can't have it's not real Claire it's not real no one has that forever it is a temporary thing it's when all of the endorphins are flowing it's when all of the crazy hormones have been when you don't have kids happy, when you do not have kids who are pooing on your legs <laughs> <Sexy. It's, laughs> Shout out to the queen. Move on for life. But it is it is a temporary part which we have to acknowledge is a temporary part. And whilst we can like kind of dip into there every now and then and be like, that is nice and do you remember that and whatever. We have to look at it nostalgically rather yeah. than like resentfully yeah. as well. You're like, why isn't it still like that? Because it can't be like that. Because at that point in your relationship, you weren't walking in on each other doing a poo. No. And good, because you probably wouldn't have had any kids. But yeah. like, I think about my relationship now and the loveliest bits are just when we laugh together. And because, you know, he's seen the bits of me that only also you have seen like babies coming out of my fudger like mm. he he there's nothing left to hide and so when we laugh it is the most genuine beautiful thing like one of my favorite parts of the last few weeks has been we sat on the couch last night and like ate password cheese stirred into it because we're bogans and we had this massive like jokey argument about what we'd do for a million dollars and it dissolved into like a fight about whether or not we would chop off a cat's head for a million dollars and we both just like it's it's morbid <laughs> but we laughed but if you did so that in much. the romantic stage of your life you would definitely not continue be like oh no, my god this lady is a cat killer <laughs> <laughs> it's just but that's that's the beautiful thing about kind of growing together and learning together and watching each other do poos like you find a love and a comfort that is just different so you know what we're gonna do Bron? we're gonna post the shit bits hashtag oh, yeah. shit I, bits i definitely already do i feel more shit bits okay mate. shitty relationship bits yeah yeah okay all right i can do that um, yep i will do that uh, so what I also think we need to do is kind of like call it out as bullshit, yeah. these romantic ones, those super romantic ones, because they are damaging on the normal relationships. And also people people who aren't in relationships, their idea of what a, a successful relationship mm. looks like, because that is not a successful relationship. Because to me, from my in my opinion, that is not a real one. And the reason why we follow them is because we miss that part of our yeah, relationship. Yeah, or we never, I never bore Beige Linen. My children did not. We would, we would look 
categorically unwell if we did that. Very, very pale. They'd be like, wow, did you recently get out of the psych ward? <laughs> did you recently die? <laughs> yes, I did. I'm recently going to a fancy dress as a peasant. <laughs> God, yeah. so this this has been a great chat. We've talked about gender in the home, why actually the work code is bad for men and women and our relationships. And if we are lucky enough to have a break, does that break actually happen? I'm still mm. waiting, mate. Still waiting. We've got nine months to go. Yeah, we talked about poo on Claire's leg and how it turned into sex. That's gross. It didn't. Oh, thank God. <laughs> we did. Thank God. God. Oh my God, I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> we also talked about how social media. Hey, has... hey if, we, if we had had sex and I got pregnant, we could have called it Penelope. <laughs> <laughs> or you could have called it I Have No Friend Called Bron Anymore. <laughs> you and Karee. We also talked about how the relationships on the internet are, are dumb. Yeah. And they're not real, but we watch them because it is not real. And Let's, we love things that aren't real, like Zelda. Well, yeah. shout out to the ship bits. Thanks, guys, for listening. And also, follow us on Instagram. We are Good Stealers. And if you like the podcast, it really, really helps us if you rate it. Yeah, at least one out of five. At least one out of five, but don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.